Welcome to the What's What Weekly Wrap-Up. It's Friday, December 23rd. Today's podcast focuses exclusively on this week's features from WFUV's newsroom. I'm Megan Oftermat. If you're looking for a fun holiday activity in the Bronx, consider the holiday train show at the New York Botanical Garden. WFUV's Christina Lulich has more on the show and NYBG Glow's outdoor display of colorful lights that can get anyone in the holiday spirit. When you enter the New York Botanical Garden, you can navigate through the greenery into the Haupt Conservatory. In this space, you're able to comfortably experience a winter wonderland as you watch model trains pass through recreations of famous New York landmarks, like the Statue of Liberty and Rockefeller Center. You're confronted with smells of bark and cinnamon sticks, because everything except the trains are made out of plants. You know, the holiday train show has a very unique and special charm. There is a reason that generations of families come back year after year for this holiday tradition here in New York. And so I think there's a draw that is, uh, it's, a, it's a magical experience for families. That was Jennifer Bernstein, president and CEO of the Botanical Garden. It's been 31 years since the holiday train show was first introduced to the Botans. Applied Imagination is the company that's responsible for creating all the installations. Laura Bussey-Dolan is the CEO and president. I can think of really no better job than one that brings joy to people. You know, it's just, it's a different way of looking at plant material through architectural form, kind of surrounds you in this joyous feeling of a celebration of New York City. A new feature of this year's exhibition is an updated model of an old fan favorite. The George Washington Bridge has new lights placed with the suspension cables on the bridge, just like the original. It's also made out of willow, a plant that helps with soil erosion when it's cut down. This installation took artists roughly a thousand hours to complete. But the holiday festivities don't end there. When you step outside of the conservatory, you're met with pulsating energy-efficient lights that dance from blue to green to red with whimsical instrumental music playing in the background, all to make you feel like you're visiting an enchanted garden. It's NYBG Glow's third year of putting on awe-inspiring outdoor displays. And if you're feeling hungry, you can stop by a pop-up and enjoy some foods that may not be considered Christmas classics. Carlos Palafox from Peros Locos is a good example of that. We have uh, the mix of rosa, which is all beef, uh, sausage. We have uh, pork and beef, and we have bacon. They're all um, handmade, and they're super delicious. We were just so, so uh, enthusiastic about doing this uh, holiday train show in the beautiful botanical garden. Feel free to take part in all the Botans has to offer and learn more about the plants that are featured even after the holidays. The holiday train show will be on view until the middle of January. I'm Christina Lulich, WFUV News. That was WFUV's Christina Lulich at the NYBG holiday train show in the Bronx. Eating disorder charities face a surge in demand around the holiday season. Advocates say this increase is caused by an emphasis on food in advertisements at this time of year. WFUV's Maya Sargent talked to organizations about eating disorder awareness and how to be a conscious and supportive ally at the dinner table. The holiday season is filled with lights, decorations, and music. 
is also a prime time of the year for advertisements. And in the United States, that means $2.5 billion in advertisements, almost all of which include food. Traditions bring us together, and great food keeps us there. Oh, I'm bursting at the seams. What, no room for cheese and wine? Whilst food memories are often linked to enjoyment at holiday parties, these expectations to mimic the scenes in media can be difficult to manage, especially for the 30 million people in the US that are dealing with an eating disorder. Kathy Cortez is an eating disorder clinician. She says that these advertisements can make us forget that the holidays can be an extremely difficult time. There's grief, there's loss. There's all of that that is much more, I think, sharpened when we are closer to the holidays. There's expectations. And these expectations for perfection are also reflected in self-image goals. Cortez says adverts respond by populating diet ads, and her clients are noticing. When we hear four- and five-year-olds talking about a belly roll, when you hear a six-year-old say, I can't eat that... Do you want to almost cry? As eating disorder charities navigate their annual surge in demand, they say this year they are particularly concerned about the impact of a recent fashion trend. The fashion industry is seeing a resurgence of questionable trends, and one of them is heroin chic. Lauren Smola, the vice president of the National Eating Disorder Association, known as NIDA, says trends like this cause wide-reaching issues. All of those come with unattainable ideals where there's this assumption that everyone should try and look the same. Smaller says heroin chic is particularly problematic. Because you're asking for somebody to have an ideal that can be incredibly harmful for a large majority of people who are not normally that size in a healthy way. However, Rebecca Eyre, CEO at Project Heal, the largest nonprofit foundation focused on healthcare access for people with eating disorders, says she is concerned this year for an entirely different reason. Hey guys, so today I'm going to show you what 1200 calories looks like. Hey guys, this is just uh, what I eat in a day with a calorie deficit of 1200 calories. That was an extract from TikTok diet videos, a sector that has garnered over 24 billion views. Air says that these videos that promotes diets as wellness are much more harmful than any fashion trend. That's way more, I think, insidious. It's hard to detect. People don't know how to be a discerning consumer about that. Air says that in her own experience, these pop up more consistently on her feed throughout the holidays. I get pushed at least 20 diet ads a week. Ugh, it's so frustrating because, you know, once someone knows how many calories are in a certain food, they can't ever unknow it. Air says that whilst these algorithms continue to push these diet ads, there has been improved awareness about eating disorders. There are going to be some people in older generations who are willing to learn, who are open to hearing more. She says when approaching family gatherings, the most important thing to apply is boundaries. And maybe some people understand that when it comes to politics. We're all allowed to just say like, you know, not this year or not today. But if that boundary is not respected, Air says she always makes sure she has an ally in the room as her support network. And then... She has an emergency backup plan to get her out of any social situation. I'm a big fan of just, you know, pressing that eject button. Holiday gatherings bring together families and friends, and for better or for worse, also all of their histories and opinions. Cortese, Smola and Air all say this can be a wonderful thing as long as people respect boundaries with kindness. Advice we can all bring to the table this holiday season. With WFUV News, I'm Maya Sargent. 
That was WFUV's Maya Sargent talking about eating disorder awareness during the holiday season. The COVID-19 pandemic forced people to forego their seasonal visits with Santa for the past couple years. But this year, four higher Santas are back and they're busier than ever. WFUV's Taylor Massetta talks to head elf Mitch Allen about the 2022 Santa boom. Santa Claus is coming back to town. Hire Santa is an online platform dedicated to booking Santas for all sorts of events. Christmas parties, pictures at the mall, you name it. While things have looked a little different for the past couple of years, thanks to the coronavirus pandemic, the demand for Santas has suddenly surged. Meet head elf Mitch Allen, the mind behind Hire Santa. About 15 years ago, he started donning the big red suit and doing events. And once he got too busy for all of them, the more Santas joined the squad. This year may be his biggest yet. We've seen here at Hire Santa up 30% from last year and 120% up over pre-pandemic levels. So really, uh, it's just a huge demand for Santa, Mrs. Claus, elves, sort of all types of holiday entertainers. While Alan's seeing a return to normalcy this holiday season, he says that the pandemic has left a mark on multiple families. And some some people who've been at a particular location that hasn't had Santa for the last two or three years, uh, you know, they've had to do somewhere else. And so these families um, who have seen the same Santa over and over again for sometimes 10 years, you know, they don't get to see Santa now. While protocols were necessary, the pandemic was very hard on many of the Santas as well. Some got sick, some stayed home to stay safe. But all of them had one thing in common. All of our Santas, they really like embody the spirit of Christmas and spirit of Santa uh, all year round. They want to share that love and joy. And it's hard to do over a Zoom. Reverend Jim Bidel is one of these Santas. With an authentic, long white beard and all, he admits that the Christmas season has felt a little different since the pandemic began. We've kind of lost our joy. Whenever you go out in public and how people are be behaving toward each other with a little bit more irascibility and a little less kindness than they had before the pandemic, I think. Vital once read a 15-part story from the Facebook group Humans of New York. It recounts the story of a Macy's Santa named Johnny, and it's stuck with Vital. He opens up this little part that caught me with, I dupe them all. The kids, the adults, especially the adults. The kids believe automatically. It's the adults that need it. They need to believe. He believes that Santa can bring a sense of joy back. Santa is real. Santa isn't the guy in the chair. Santa is, is the guy in the chair. So you have the power to bring that joy back into the world. We're giving children hope is why it's important. Perhaps head elf Mitch Allen and his squad of Santas can help us all, big and small, believe once again. I'm Taylor Massetta, WFUV News. That was WFUV's Taylor Massetta talking about Santa coming back to town. In 1992, a group of New Yorkers gathered in Washington Square Park to participate in the first unsilent night. Each person had a boombox preloaded with a cassette tape. Each tape featured a different track from the four-part electronic piece created by composer Phil Klein. Klein counted to three and the group pressed play. Slowly, the music filled up the park and Unsilent Night was born. 
This week, I went downtown to listen to the 30th anniversary performance of this participatory artwork. Okay, um, are we ready? Yeah! yeah. I remember the moment we started it. Uh, we were sort of near the Washington Square Arch on Fifth Avenue, and just the way the sound bounced along the streets, it just seemed to come from nowhere and everywhere. It sounded great. And after we were done, somebody said, let's do it next year. That's Phil Klein, the composer of Unsilent Night. And what you just heard was his four-part piece, filling up the emptiness of Washington Square Park on a cold, crisp night in December. Klein has been leading this group from the Washington Square Arch to Tompkins Square Park every year for the past 30 years. His daughter, Clementine, has been counting down for the past 15. I don't remember coming up with the idea. It was just suddenly there. Write a piece of music that's the length of one 90-minute cassette. That's 45 minutes on one side. And write it in four tracks so that when people get together, they'll be playing slightly different things. And all these decades later, people are still pressing play on one of the four tracks. I haven't chosen four before, so I'm excited. Like, I never go for four, so why not? That's Liz DeVino. She's a composer herself. She's been a part of this communal orchestra ten times. This time, she and her friends came early to get some of Klein's preloaded vintage boomboxes. I think it's going to be kind of cacophonous, all these, these different tracks playing at the same time, and it might be strangely beautiful, or it might just be like an audio mess. I'm just going to play whatever's on the boombox. Oh, it's a surprise. Davino bends down to look at the yellow tape numbering the boombox, but it looks like her friends are in for a surprise. While this group is sporting Bluetooth speakers and vintage boomboxes, others in the crowd have brought homemade devices. I am holding what I call the phono stick. It is a phonograph wireless speaker on a stick. I used to run the Unsilent Night in San Francisco, and this is how I, I led the, the procession. That's Aaron Almanza. He runs the LGBT National Help Center. I saw him and his phono stick from across the park and made a beeline for him. So this is my first time here. Uh, definitely more people. Uh, that's great. But Aaron says there's something New York and San Francisco have in common. The same camaraderie, people talking to each other. That's always been my favorite part of hearing the conversations as people wander through it. Other cities have been hosting on Silent Night for years. In 2000, Klein got an email from someone in Tallahassee, Florida. And that's when the music started to make its way around the country and eventually the world. And uh, they were the very first ones to do it outside of New York. And then over the next few years, it just started picking up in all sorts of ways. More and more people wanted to do it. And then my crowd started getting bigger. In the early 2000s, we had crowds of seven or 800. One year, it was well over 1,000. It was kind of scary. Now, Klein says the piece has taken on a life of its own. It's a little bit like parenting in the sense that if you're lucky, you just see your child and you realize at a certain point, you're going to be fine without me. They're really good kids. And I feel like that with that way about the piece, it's a really good piece. Uh, it works for a lot of people. It's very flexible, can be done anywhere. It can mean whatever you want it to mean. Yeah, it's kind of Christmassy, but it's uh, whatever. It's like a winter meditation too.
basically the, the the dominating thing is kind of like a snowy, tingly, shimmering, oscillating, moody with with chanting, and it ranges between contentment and sheer joy. Somebody said, why did you write it? I said, as a gift. And then I realized it's a gift to me too. So thank everybody for coming and being part of it every year. With WFUV News, I'm Megan Oftermat. That was me reporting from Washington Square Park about the 30-year legacy of Unsilent Night in New York City. And that's it from the WFUV Newsroom for this year. We'll be back the first week of January. You can check out the What's What Weekly Wrap-Up every Friday for more features exclusively from the WFUV Newsroom. And make sure to check out the WFUV What's What Daily Podcast. It explores current events, culture, news, and hot topic issues surrounding the New York metropolitan area and includes features and interviews just like the ones you heard exclusively from FUV. You can catch new episodes every weekday at 3. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or find out more at WFUVnews.org. With WFUV News, I'm Megan Oftermat. Happy holidays, everyone.